Jesus changes everything. It changes everything. That's the big idea that we have been dealing with through this series for the past several weeks. And I already know I'm not going to be able to get to this message today, and that's all right. There was a time that we needed just to be saturated in the presence of the Lord in worship. There, there are times when that's like a healing balm to our soul, where we just come and He says, you know what, I just need to give you a hug today. And for those of us who are huggers, we understand that the, the emotional jolt that we get from just knowing that we are loved and, and that God is so gracious to us today. Last week we were talking about followers of Christ are those who, who influence. And so how many of you have had an experience where the Lord used you in an influential way this week? Something took place that you know that was divine. Wow, that's great. Almost most of you that are here today have had something like that. I want you to know something. We have had we had such a phenomenal prayer meeting last Sunday night we prayed for today. That I knew all week long Satan didn't have a chance. He didn't have a chance. And then when I walked into the sanctuary this morning, just a little after seven, and I see the worship team here, and, and, and Mike, and, and they're on their knees, and they're worshiping God, just preparing this place of prayer. I want you to know, Satan is scared to death of what's going to happen in your life this morning. Because the power of God has been unleashed to do a great work within your life. And today we're going to be talking about, as a follower of Christ, what we need to do, and we're learning to love today. Learning to love. Matthew, we turn to Matthew chapter 22. Verses 37 through 39, and I just briefly want to begin to tell you that this will be a great memory verse for you this week. Matthew 22, verses 37 through 39. Many of you that have been around the church for quite some time will know this. But in Jesus' words, Jesus replied. He was asked the question, what are the greatest commandments? And Jesus replied to this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. And with all your soul, and with all your mind, this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says this in verse 40. All of the law and of the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now I want you to think about what he just said here for a moment. When you think about 66 books in the Bible, 39 in the Old Testament, all the law, all the writing of Moses, and all of the Pentateuch, all the prophets, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Jeremiah, Habakkuk, Nahum, Zechariah, and then all of those together, all the prophets of God, Jesus said everything that they taught throughout the history of what we consider the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, everything of the Old Covenant hinges on these two commands, Jesus said. And this is amazing. It's, it's the reason that it's worth memorizing for us. And I don't know about you, but I've been walking with the Lord for 49 of my 56 years, and I don't have the love of God figured out yet. He still amazes me all the time. His grace amazes me all the time. And it seems as if the longer that we know Him, and the longer we walk with Him, the more He begins to reveal Himself to us in new and deeper ways. And, and the discoveries are always so awesome and fresh for us. But what I do know is that He has a love that He wants to pour into you to the point where it overflows and His love then pours out of you to other people. And so the big idea this morning is this. Followers of Jesus love God and love others. Followers of Jesus love God and love others. Now I, I want you to know right off the, the bat that this might seem like a simple big idea, but it is a challenge. It's a challenge. How many of you at one time 
hard to love in your life? Fourteen of you. The rest of you have moved toward profession way older than some of us are mature. God's Word says that the measure of my love for others should be the same as I have a love for myself. And I have discovered that loving myself, feeding my selfish nature, is far, easy, is far easier than it is to love others with that same intensity. If I have a choice to make about do I want to take care of myself or do I want to take care of others at the sacrifice of myself, my nature always pulls me to look out for me. And so when the Lord begins to describe to us that the followers of God will be those that love God and love others, it becomes a challenge. So let's take a little bit of a look at the Word of God here this morning to see exactly what He meant by that. And I've had this picture in my life all morning since I came in. I know we're getting close to Thanksgiving. And uh, in my family, for the first time in I don't know how many years, my kids and grandkids and Cindy's parents are all coming to our house. And, and so we're trying to figure out ways how we're going to set up extra tables. And, and I've got this image of what Thanksgiving morning is going to look like as, as my wife and her mom and, and our daughter-in-laws are all working in the kitchen and the rest of us are watching football. And, and uh, that, that might happen. But I remember waking up in the morning and there's this aroma that begins to take over everything in the house. Of the turkey and the dressing and the pies and the closer it gets to noon, the harder this is to talk about. And I thought as we came into the house of the Lord this morning, it was like the Lord says, I'm gathering the family this morning. I want you to sit around the table because I'm going to break the fresh bread. I've got something fresh that's going to nourish your soul, he says to us. And so I ask that you would open up your heart today to receive God's love and receive His word. The first thing that we learn, and for those of you that have a bulletin with you, there's an outline of the message that is in the back cover, and you can use that to jot down notes if you desire. We learn that our love, our love is anchored in commitment. As followers of Jesus Christ, we need to know what love is, what true love is, and the commitment that that is, that represents to us. We hear about commitment. The first thing that oftentimes comes flooding into our minds is, is that we have to be totally committed to God. When we come before God, we initially begin to think of everything that we need to do to make ourselves presentable to Him so that He can love us. And, and, and we've kind of grown with that, especially within our American culture, that there's something about us that, and the way we do things and the way we act and what we say that can make us more lovable to God. I want you to know that there's nothing you can do to make yourself more attractive to God. And for those of you that may have grown up in a history of the church that indicated to you that you had to be a certain way before God would accept you, I want you to know that there's no biblical basis for that at all. God loves you as you are and will take you that way. Now, I have tried to have some sort of, a, of an example each week as we've gone through this series, and today, something I'm familiar with. Anchors. So I have this anchor this morning, and, and uh, I believe that this is going to help me to bring home the point today. Because some of you today need to get a hold of this anchor and recognize that the love of God for you is connected to Him, not you. That the anchor that you have to hang on to today has nothing to do with your behavior or your goodness or your righteousness. It has everything to do with the righteousness of God that says that will be the anchor for everything. My unconditional love for you, my grace and mercy extended to you, is the anchor that you 
trying because you've worked so hard at trying to be lovable by God. But if you don't get the love of God down, if you don't get the fact that He loves you unconditionally, then everything else that flows out of your heart as it relates to God and loving God and loving others will be corrupt. Because it's not anchored in the truth that there's nothing you can do to earn the love of God. He just loves you. I had asked the worship team to, to teach you a new song today about Good, Good Father. And we're going to sing that more often because the message of that is so awesome. His nature, his intrinsic qualities is that he is a good, loving father. It's who he is. It's who he is. And he loves us. It's who we are. Not the way that you can make yourself be lovable. I want you to know something. We've got to be anchored and unwavering in the truth that God loves us and that he has a plan for us and that his love is not moving. It is anchored for you and to me. Now, here's what I want you to know today. God is crazy about you. In fact, I want you to turn to your neighbor and look at them and say, God is crazy about you. Now turn to the neighbor on the other side. No, 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 no. Not that they're crazy. That God is crazy about them. Until you get this anchor, settle down in the bedrock of your spirit that God's love is unchangeable for you, you will waver and float everywhere. Because God is crazy about you, and that's the way He feels about you. So we're going to be talking about this anchor this morning, and we're going to look at the Word of God and the commands that Jesus gave, and, and what it means to be anchored in this, and loving God and loving others, and, and having that steadfast within our spirit. In Matthew chapter 22, Jesus was quoting out of Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, which is, is known to the Jewish, Jewish people as the Shema verse. And, and Shema really means a most important idea, or it's a centerpiece verse. Or basically when they hear Shema verse, what it means is, hey, listen up, Israel. God's about to say something really important here. And so this is their Shema verse in Deuteronomy 6, 5 to 9, and this is what it says. You are to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. These commandments I give to you today, they're to be upon your hearts, impress them on your children, talk to them when you sit at home, when you walk on the road, when you lie down, when you get up, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Now I want you to think about that for a minute. Shema verse. God said this is really important, it's so important, that as I was examining this verse, I began to recognize that there's nothing that we do in a day that doesn't fit into this. Even to the point where they were talking about home decorations in their very traditional way. I want this to be the decorations on the gate of your door, uh, everywhere it goes. This needs to be the decoration of your home so that we are infiltrated with the idea. And so, this is an all-encompassing verse and how important it was to the Jewish people. Now, if you're taking notes today, the Hebrew word for love in the Old Testament is Ahab. Ahab, A-H-E-B. And we are far more familiar with the three Greek words that represent love to us than we are the Hebrew word they have. Because Ahab primarily means, the, all the Hebrew word for love is wrapped up in this. It primarily means a love that is exhibited by the will. A love that is exhibited by the will. It's a love that is exhibited in my mind and in my actions rather than in my emotions or my feelings. It's a steadfast love. It's a determination. It's, I'm going to do this. That's what the Hebrews talked about when they talked about love. Now, I understand that we are driven by a culture in America of a different kind of love, a different kinds of meanings for that. 
Uh, because love to so many people today is an emotion or it's a feeling. And, and one of the, the things I've talked about so many times is, is I always love meeting with engaged couples for the first time as we're preparing to, to put their wedding together and to go through some engagement counseling. And I sit there and one of the things I generally ask them is to write a letter to me explaining why they want to marry that other person. And then they have to seal them and give it to me. And I generally read these in their presence for the first time. And generally, it evokes emotion. I've seen girls right now.
my mind and with my will and with my actions. I am not led by my feelings. So you pastor, does that mean that feelings don't play a role in love at all? No, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it's got to be rooted in commitment. There will be feelings associated with it. But your feelings are not the basis or the foundation of love. So the law said that our love toward God needs to be an Ahem love. And it's akin to the Greek word that we hear so often as agape. Some of you are, are far more familiar with that word. It's, it's an intellectual love. We know that in Greek there's also phileo, which is an emotional love, a brotherhood love. And then eros, which is a, a physical attraction. And I don't want to minimize that. Because if you're a single person and you, know, you come into church and you're looking across the room and you, you see a, a beautiful woman or a handsome guy, you're going to go, hey, yeah. Yeah. No, 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 that's not how it works. There's, there's a matter of attraction, the feeling of attraction. We all understand that because that's how God designed us. But the love that Jesus speaks of in this great commandment here in Matthew 22 is the noblest kind of love. It's the purest kind of love. It's the highest form of self-sacrificing love. And we are commanded to have that commitment, love, intellectually solid love of God. And as we begin to unpack that for a minute, sometimes we get run by our emotions. I want you to know something. This may come to shock you, but there's sometimes on Sunday mornings I don't feel like coming to church. That never happens to any of you, I know. <laughs> there's sometimes on Monday mornings you don't feel like going to work, am I right? But there's an aspect of our life that we know that we do things not because it, it, it doesn't feel good, but because we know I'm committed to this. I'm committed to this. It's one of the reasons that we gather together on Sunday morning. The Lord says, don't forsake that because there's something beneficial about gathering together with the family of God and being nourished together. But we're committed to that. And it's a committed type of thing. Because if you are run by your emotions, what happens to your anchor is this. The first time that God disappoints you, the first time you pray a prayer that you think God should answer the way you want to, and He doesn't, you said, that's it. He disappointed me. I'm going to up my anchor and I'm going to go someplace else. The first time when you're walking with the Lord, and maybe you're just a new believer, and you're just starting to follow Him, and, and you've got this idea that once you follow the Lord, everything in your life on earth is going to be perfect. And you get your thumb stuck on a thorn. You go, whoa, I didn't expect that I would ever get hurt on a thorn. I'm Jacob. That's not what I wanted. Regardless of the 
feelings that I may have towards that. We need to be anchored in the love of God. Listen, I'm going to step on toes here. It's my job. I'm going to this one. There are some of you here today, and there's some people that you know that aren't in the house of the Lord today because they associated Christ with a hypocritical attitude of a Christian. I want you to know it doesn't matter if every one of us in this church are hypocrites. That's not my desire. That's not what I'm asking for. I'm just saying when you begin to look at people and assume the love of God is like them, you've yanked up your anchor. And you've lost track of the fact that God's love never if you're looking at people to see the best image of God, you're going to be disappointed all the time. And if there are people that are going to miss out on an eternity in heaven because of the things other people did when they finally stand before God and He says to them, You were never going to look at people for me. My love never changed for you. It was solid. Yank into it and hang on because it's me you should be looking at. Now that does not remove from the church the responsibility of being holy as He is holy, as we are commanded to do. But I want you to know something. In our human flesh, we are going to fail again and again and again. And if you're looking for a fault in me, you won't have to dig very deep. And if that's going to be the determination of your love of God, then I want you to know I'm going to disappoint you and so are everybody else in here. We just are incapable of perfect fullness like Jesus is. So the command that we get is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and and, and Mark has added in his strength. I'm going to get to this next week. You can do that. You can add a week to this thing. Because here's, here's what I feel so in my spirit. Some of you have been struggling with God alone. You just feel an emptiness inside. And you're wondering, what have I done to disappoint you? Why is it that I'm not feeling victorious? Why is it today that I come in here and, and even though the worship is, is anointed and lighted, why is it others people are worshiping and I feel so dry inside? Why is it that when we sing a song like, He's a good, good father. All I can picture in my heart are the things that I feel so disappointed in. And today, I want you to know that we have a healing father that is here to engage you where you are and to love you where you are. It doesn't matter what's happened in your life or who you may have disappointed or who may have disappointed you. We have a good, good father who's here to embrace you today and to lift you and to encourage you and to tell you, my love never changes, so anchor in me. Anchor in me. Don't anchor in other people. Don't anchor in the philosophy of the world. Don't anchor in your job or what you can provide for yourself. Don't anchor in the attitudes of others. Don't let it be my feelings. Anchor it in the solid rock of the fact that I died on the cross for you and I was resurrected on the third day and overcame death. Tell them the great and I am here. I want you to know what they've done is I don't love you. I'm here. I'm here. My love is here. Anchor it. I'm going to ask Mr. Nellis if you please come. We're going to sing that song, Good, Good Father, again. There was a moment in time today where I thought, uh, maybe we should just worship today. There's, there's something going on there. Anybody else sense that? That there was just some healing taking place? So we're going to stand. I'd like you to stand with me.
First of all, for those of you that are really used to traditions and things, I want you to know that we are a church here that believes that the Holy Spirit is the leader of this church. I get to be the under-shepherd, but he's the leader. My God is the leader. And I believe that for some of you today, it's a time to set the anchor again. Because things may go on in your life and you've just been battling and battling. The Lord says, just drop the anchor again. Tom Ward used to build anchors and he was telling me this morning, he says, when they're designed well, the harder you get pushed again, the deeper it digs in. And I thought, boy, is that not fantastic? The more the enemy pushes against you, the deeper that anger and the love of Christ goes and in his love and acceptance for you. And so here's what I ask you today. If you've not accepted the love of Jesus Christ, I want you to know that we have a Savior that looked at you and said, if you were the only person on earth, I would have died for you and been raised from the dead for you because I love you. You are the apple of His eye. The Bible tells us in Psalm that your name is inscribed on His hand. It's not, it's not something that can be washed off. I mean, every time He opens His hands, He sees your name. You're precious to Him. He loves you. He values you. He wants to draw you in. That's you He's talking about. He's a good, good Father. He's a good, good Father. And if you're here today and you've never experienced the goodness of God towards you because you thought, man, I've got certain things that I've got to do. I want to get clean up. Maybe He'll recognize me. But today, for the first time, you've come to an understanding that God loves you just the way you are. Because it says that when we were yet sinners, when we were still ugly, and when we were still diseased and sin, He loved you and He gave Himself for you. So the opportunity for you today is to come to a relationship. I'm going to ask you to just close your eyes for a moment. And if you're here today and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, we call it conviction. It's a, a convincing that the Lord is dealing with you. It's that knock in your throat. It's that, that stomach tightening because you know that God is speaking to you and he's, he's wanting to draw you to Himself. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask for a response in a moment. Then we're going to sing at the end of the service. If you don't respond, we're going to have people waiting on the side of the sanctuary that would like to talk to you. I'm not going to embarrass you, but if I don't give this opportunity for you to come to know the Jesus of heaven, I will have